0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 49 of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with myself and my good friend and colleague Matt Kelly, founder of Radical Compliance, where we take a deep dive into a compliance-related topic, literally going into the weeds to discuss it. Today, we have an incredibly interesting and important memo from the Secretary of Defense about ethics. James Mattis released a memo on August 4th that talked about the ethical commitment and values of the U.S. military. We dissect this, unpack it, and go deep into the weeds and explain why this is so significant for the U.S. military, for the U.S. government, and for the compliance practitioner. I think you'll find it a fascinating episode. I find it to be an incredibly important memo, particularly given the tenor of ethics of the current administration. Compliance into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox again for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast with my good friend and colleague Matt Kelly, the founder of Radical Compliance, where we unpack a compliance topic and go uh, take a deep dive into the weeds around it. And today we have a real treat for you as Matt wrote about a letter or memo, I suppose, and more accurately described, circulated by Secretary of Defense James Mattis to all Defense Department employees. So, Matt, with that somewhat uh, short introduction, why don't you give the background of this and uh, talk about how you found out about it and what the memo says.
1: Sure. This is one of the more cryptic uh, moments in corporate ethics and compliance. Um, this memo from James Mattis, it was dated Friday, August four. And uh, it appeared on the Internet. That's how I came across it, is that somebody uh, had photocopied it or somebody pasted an image of this memo, which seems only to exist in paper format. Uh, But they took a picture of it and circulated it on Twitter. I saw it and it's been picked up here or there. Um, Do we know for a fact that this memo is authentic? No, no. All signs, however, point to it that it is authentic. It is on DOD letterhead. It has the signature of James Mattis on it. It is timestamped August 4. It has been recirculated by the U.S. Naval Institute and a few other military news observers uh, out on the web that I think if if this had been a hoax of some kind, at some point the DOD would have told at least those Naval and other military websites, this is a hoax. Backpedal it. Nobody has. Um, so there is this memo that James Mattis put out there. Now, what does it actually say? It is five short paragraphs, less than 250 words, where uh, Mattis talks about the importance of senior DOD staff being ethical. And as he liked to say, said in the, uh, in the memo, to play the ethical midfield. And he used a few different sports metaphors about the importance of being ethical, even when we are in a difficult situation. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that further on in this uh, podcast here. But that's what it is. That's where it came from. And what does it all mean? You know, we can speculate, but that's that's where we are right now.
0: So, Matt, if you don't mind, it's so short. I'd, I would just like to read it for our listeners. Uh, it is only five sure. paragraphs. It's entitled uh, Ethical Standards for All Hands. Um, And it reads as follows, those entrusted by our nation with carrying out violence, those entrusted with the lives of our troops, and those entrusted with the enormous sums of taxpayer money must set an honorable example in all we do. I expect every member of the department to play the ethical midfield. I need you to be aggressive and show initiative without running the ethical sidelines, where even one misstep will have you out of bounds. I want your focus to be on the essence of ethical conduct, Doing what is right at all times, regardless of the circumstances or whether anyone is watching. To ensure that each of us is ready to do what is right without hesitation when ethical dilemmas arise, we must train and prepare ourselves and our subordinates. Our prior reflection and our choice to live by an ethical code will reinforce what we stand for so we remain morally strong in the face of adversity. Through our example and through our coaching of all hands, we will ensure ethical standards are maintained. Never forget our willingness to take the oath of office and to accept the associated responsibilities means that every citizen who have never met us trust us to do the right thing, never abusing our position nor looking the other way when seeing something wrong. I'm proud to serve alongside you signature James Mattis. Uh, Matt, I really find that to be one of the best statements of doing ethics Um, that I've read in one place in quite a while. I know. So even in this one in a zillion chance that this memo
1: is somehow a fake or a hoax, on the substance of it, um, who cares? Because this is spot on with the sort of why are we doing this uh, analysis that corporate compliance officers confront all the time. Uh, My favorite two parts, and I highlighted them in my post about this, was when Mattis talks about um, ensuring that we have to be ready to do what is right without hesitation and trying to live our ethical code all times because sooner or later you're going to have a really difficult time doing it. And and doing it all times is going to prepare you for, like he says, that moment of adversity. So that's point one. And um, then when he talks about the need to honor the trust That citizens who have never met the DOD, I have not met James Mattis or many Pentagon people, we are placing a trust in them with our our families who are serving in the military with our tax dollars, and there's quite a lot that goes there. We have to honor that trust that people are placing in the military. This is very lofty stuff, and it's spot on with issues of training and trial and test and perseverance that... Ethics is really what it's all about. And whether it's business or military worlds, it's one and the same.
0: So um, I'd like to really go through what I consider the three uh, really substantive paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you highlighted uh, in your opening remarks about the ethical midfield. One of the best examples that I ever heard of this was when I was um, interviewing uh, some employees in Singapore for a – Houston based in, or a Texas based energy company. And the office manager looked at me and said, There's enough money to be made in the middle. I don't have to go to the sides where I can get in trouble. And that always st- stuck with me. And here it may be more of a soccer or football metaphor. Nevertheless, I find the same analogy, which is the closer you get to the ethical sidelines, uh, the more easy it is to have a misstep that would put you out of bounds. And I really uh, appreciated the analogy of the ethical midfield. Uh, and then he ends with doing what is right at all times, regardless of the circumstances, and then whether anyone is watching. And um, many people say that's, that's what ethics is, is doing the right thing when no one is watching. And here we have the uh, secretary of uh, largest military on earth saying that.
1: Yeah, and you know, I I didn't really think of it until you mentioned this, but talking about going to the sidelines, if we wanted to continue that metaphor a bit, you know, it would be worth asking yourself if you're a compliance officer looking at your company, well, what would push people to play at those edges where things are much more questionable, you know, do we have a pressure or culture that drives people to play at the edge? Um, do we have loose internal controls, which mean if somebody wants to drift right up against that line and maybe go over it, we're not going to catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a nice vehicle to start to think about, you know, business practices, cultural norms in your organization that let people get to a place where they should not be. Because as your Singaporean person said, you know, yeah, what you want to do is you want to be right there in the middle where it is a safe playing ground to to fight the good fight and close the deals and get the money and get the revenue. But you don't have to engage in these questionable things over at the extremes.
0: The next paragraph, you really spent some time in your blog uh, highlighting and discussing, and it's about training and uh, to ensure that each DOD employee will do what is right without hesitation, Uh, that they must train and prepare for Yours, uh, prepare ourselves, the languages ourselves and our subordinates, and that we will we will remain morally strong in the face of adversity. What were some of the training uh, components that you were able to unpack that you wrote about?
1: Well, you know, I thought that really it was a good point that practice the you know the art of doing something over and over to get better at it practice is what lets you get good at something and i again you know i hadn't thought of it until just now but i suppose the military metaphor would be that you go through basic training you take target practice you take all sorts of skills and training and drills and whatnot that is such a big part of the military and you do it on the base you do it at home you do it here where it's safe so that you will have the the memory the muscle memory the instinct to do it in battle When it really matters and there will not be room for error under those circumstances and it's a similar sort of a thing here I think that you know what I wrote about in my post is that it's easy to take the online training that you should not be paying a bribe it's easy to take the multiple choice test that tells you when somebody pressures you you should be reporting him or her to the compliance hotline or to the SEC or somebody else. The, that part is easy, but walking the walk, doing it, practicing it day in and day out so that when the senior VP really does lean on you on June 29th, that we need to close this by the end of second quarter, or we're not going to get our bonuses. Like, that's hard. And you can't necessarily train for that pressure through an online tutorial. Um. I would even maybe draw an analogy to something that Hui Chen, the former compliance counsel at the DOJ, that she mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed her, she was talking about effective compliance programs, and she said it's really important to take advantage of small, harmless compliance failures to figure out where did they come from, how do we seal those up, what went wrong there, even if there is no harm, because sooner or later those root causes are going to allow something that is going to cause harm. That is going to be a big deal. And we need to, we need to be in position. We need to seal that up. We need to practice our way through it to make sure that when the real moment comes, we'll be in a better position. It's a slightly different approach to what Mattis is saying, but they're both basically saying in the small ways, every day you have to work at this because sooner or later the trial is going to come. And if you don't have that practice, you're going to crack under pressure. I I've never been in the military. I don't have military experience. I am willing to bet if you drop me into a firefight, I am going to make a mess in my pants and crack under pressure because I have not practiced. And it's the same sort of point.
0: So I guess I was really struck by that part of your blog post, the practical nature of the training, the practical nature of the ethics training. And here he really emphasizes and he uses the word train And that's what the military does. It trains. It constantly trains. It trains for the times that it's going to be deployed and we'll have to bring this awesome violence and force to bear. And I really like the way you drew that out, Matt, in your blog post around maybe what we need to do in our corporate ethics training is move towards practical training so that not simply talk about here's our code of conduct, uh, here's why we're an ethical company, here's our values, but what are the situa- What are some of the situations you may face uh, out in the real world? What are some of the situations you may face when you hear some rumor a competitor has done something? What are some of the situations you- we may face? And, and you articulated when it's June 2029 20, and uh, you've got to close X number of deals to make your Q2 numbers uh, or... You could be terminated. Uh, is Are you going to lose or forget uh, or not employ your ethical training at that time? So maybe uh, we in the corporate world can draw inspiration from the military's. Um, Use of the word train and continual training, and, and perhaps that's uh, one of the messages. I know you, you really hammered that, or at least it's really struck me in your blog post, and maybe that's the way to think about it. The military trains, muscle memory, uh, ethical decision-making is all part of your your uh, military being, and, and that uh, we expect you to do this without hesitation because you've been trained on it, and we accept the responsibility to train you. I I think that's exactly right. And, you know, for all of the flaws of the military, which are
1: many, it is a huge organization that has all sorts of idiosyncrasies that I am sure drive plenty of people, including Secretary Mattis, totally crazy, but on building a strong, cohesive culture about what we are about, what is our mission, how do we all stay on the same page of what our mission is to defend the country. I don't think that the military has many problems there, and given the size that it is, that is a very impressive feat, and it's a testament to to how good the military culture is.
0: So let me now go to the penultimate paragraph um, and, and really focus on the first line, because this is the one that really st- struck me in this paragraph, Matt, and it reads, through our example and through coaching of all hands, we will ensure ethical standards are maintained. Here he really seems to be uh, focusing on it's not just your duty to engage in ethical behavior and ethical standards, but you, Mr. Colonel, you, Mr. Major, you, Mr. Captain, you, Mr. First Lieutenant, you, Mr. Second Lieutenant, you, Mr. Sergeant, you, Mr. Corporal, must train the people below you, and you must coach all hands at all times to ensure that ethical standards are maintained. And here I really thought he was putting the onus to not only engage in ethics yourself, but your responsibility, you're responsible for your fellow soldier as well. Yeah. And, you know, this is with slightly different
1: language, really. the, The point that he's making is nothing different than what, many compliance training vendors or business ethics specialists and thinkers including you and me that that we would say is, it's up to the ceo to lead by example to give opportunities to encourage people to do the right thing and to call that out and you know we can talk about those ideas in other podcasts at other times but the substance of what corporate compliance thinkers talk about all the time is very much in all of what he's saying here and again i he said it in five paragraphs. He said it in 225 words, and you rattled off the whole thing in about 60 seconds. And he that, that's all that needs to be said. He whacked the nail right on the head
0: in less than a minute. So now, Matt, what I'd like to do is turn to one of my favorite topics, political speculation. Sure. And you've even got a great part of your blog post about the speculation of Why this memo may have been released? So why don't you go through uh, go through these and we can chew on those? I've got a couple I want to throw out at you, but this will be the fun part.
1: Well, yeah, and so like I said, I found this on Saturday afternoon, I think, and I was wondering, well, why now? Why? What prompted this? Um, And as much as we like, might hope that we could be noble, and maybe Secretary Mattis did this for no reason at all. Maybe he just wanted to remind people about ethics because he thinks about it all the time, and I hope so. But here in the real world, I don't think so. Um, There are several schools of thought out there. Number one, uh, there are some people who think that this is in response to President Trump's, um, I, I would call it an outburst on Twitter, that he is going to ban transgender people from serving in the military. Uh, Once President Trump said that, several military leaders had already said that until there's an actual policy that's written and being forced upon them by higher-ups, they're not going to pay attention to that tweet. And maybe this is meant to show the Defense Department that we are going to keep treating transgender people as a fully functioning part of the military as many of them already are and treat them as individuals who deserve respect so that's one idea uh number two might be that uh, this is more conspiracy minded i don't know that i believe it is that maybe secretary mattis is warning people to think long and hard in case president trump gives some sort of illegal order um Ordering somebody to torture someone in military custody. There are many who would say that is an illegal order that should not be done. Um, certainly today, when you and I are talking here, Tom, earlier this afternoon, President Trump made what sounds like a very threatening statement to North Korea about fire and fury the world has never seen. And, you know, there are numerous people who think that President Trump is edging towards military conflict with North Korea and should we be thinking through what are our ethics now in what could be a very fluid and very uncertain situation if he orders some sort of nuclear or military strike? I don't agree with that conspiracy theory, but it is out there. I could see a more pedestrian conspiracy theory that what if he does try to fire Attorney General Jeff Sessions or Robert Mueller, um, which many people would say is potentially illegal, uh, or they would see it as a overt attempt to subvert justice and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So there's another theory. I think it's more plain that special counsel Robert Mueller is getting very close to um, finding several different suspects. He wants either to indict or hand off his results to Congress. I don't know if it would be President Trump, but it could be former NSA uh, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, Who worked in the military for 30 years until he was forced out in 2014, Uh, if he had been betraying U.S. interests to work with Russia and was not disclosing payments he was receiving from them and all this other fun stuff, there may very well be people who are going to get subpoenas who are working in the Defense Department now. They might have evidence that Robert Mueller would like to see. And this basically is, to me, it seems like Secretary Mattis is saying if Robert Mueller comes knocking on the Pentagon's door, you have to cooperate because that is the right thing to do, even if it means ratting out a former general you might actually like. I don't know how many people do or don't, but that would be my bet. This is just Secretary Mattis reminding the Pentagon that if they get somehow pulled into Robert Mueller's probe, they have to cooperate fully, fairly, honestly, and ethically.
0: So, Matt, I find merit in all of those. Uh, I have <laughs> two more to uh, to throw out to you. One is a, a very macro sure. one, and one really is uh, much more micro and into the weeds. So let me start with the micro into the weeds that this is uh, a response simply to the Fat Leonard scandal and that the largest uh, scandal involving uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. Navy and procurement uh, probably in my lifetime, certainly since the Vietnam War, and that um, – there has not been a lot said in the military about that. Um, at least it's uh, percolated up to the public and it deals with that. The second is that um, kind of building on some of the theories you put forward that it, he's just tired of the uh, ethical flexibility of the administration and situational ethics, that, uh, which for the Trump administration seems to be they apply to everyone else but not to them. And he's calling out that, uh, no, uh, doing the right thing applies to the U.S. military, uh, his world that he can control. So, um, but like I said, I love political speculation. You know, I could certainly
1: hope that it is the latter, um, that he is just telling people that good ethics apply across the board. Don't pay attention to the lack of ethics by the man who currently sits in the Oval Office. Uh, The rest of the federal government should follow an honorable ethical code, which I think Secretary Mattis was always going to do and always has done, and the vast majority of people working in the Trump administration do today. Um, you know, I won't rehash this right here and now, Tom, but you know, we've said before, I believe that the ethical problems with the Trump administration reside very specifically with people whose last names are Trump, and there's really only one or two of them around. Um, everybody else, I think they want to do the ethical thing, the vast majority of them, and I'm I'm just I'm glad that Secretary Mattis put it out there. Can't really say I care exactly why, because the substance of it is so good and this is so on point with what corporate people deal with. It it's well worth printing it out, reading it, digesting it.
0: And I really would uh, also encourage compliance officers to take uh, one of your suggestions forward, which is to use it, use it uh, to uh, cite it to senior management. Use it in your training. Say, this is what the U.S. military is saying, and mm-hmm. that uh, we are a corporation. We didn't take an oath of office. Nevertheless, we have, uh, you know, agree on certain f- fundamental uh, values, and one of these is that we will do the right thing without hesitation when an ethical dilemma arises. So uh, yep. kudos for uh, pulling this up. It's uh, I think it's a, just a great document for every compliance officer. You're spot on on that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tom. Till next time, Matt. Hello again. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, Matt and I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and also get out the word about the only podcast that takes a deep dive into a compliance or compliance-related topic each week. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. And I hope you will join us next week for another episode where Matt and I take a deep dive into the weeds of compliance.